Well, what a joy it is to greet you in Jesus' name today. It's a pleasure and a privilege and an honor to be able to come and join with you and worship the Lord together. So thankful that as restrictions have come off, we've been able to uh, really move ahead. And I hear such great things about this church body. It's a real pleasure to be with you and to see firsthand all of the joy and the grace and the goodness that Christ pours into you as his people. Now, I understand that you've been going through the book of Romans, and that's a very exciting book to go through. And uh, with the help of Pastor Matt, uh, I discerned the passage for this Sunday is Romans 15 and 1 through 13. And so what I'd like to do is just read that passage, and I'm excited and pumped about it because there's so many great things in there. Uh, we're just going to think about three of them in the time that we have together today. So in Romans chapter 15 and verses 1 through 13, we find these great words. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but it is written, The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy as it is written. Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with His people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol Him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We pray that you would just, by your Spirit, minister it to our hearts, strengthen us and equip and enable us to live in this world but not be of this world. And uh, as we would end the service today and go into a world that is full of hurt and uh, all kinds of struggle, may we be your agents to minister your grace into many lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so as we think about this passage, let me just say a couple of things first. 
COVID, you know, has been a long trial. I don't know how you have found it. Uh, I'm a little older, as you can see, and I have found it is just a long old trial. And every time we think we've gotten past it, something else seems to arise. And, you know, now they're talking about the fourth wave and all of these kind of things. So it's been a long trial. It's been also a time of uncertainty and a time of instability as well, not just as individuals, but as families and communities and churches and all of that. We've all been impacted by it. But Christians have a tremendous opportunity to show Jesus in so many meaningful ways through this unprecedented time, as we so often hear our media speak about. And, you know, it gives us a chance also to demonstrate the power of God at work in our own lives, that we can remain strong and joyful and peaceful and all of those things because we are in Christ and Christ is in our hearts and in our lives and homes. Now, you might say, I hear you, Pastor. Amen, Pastor. But really, when you think about it, how can one individual impact this mess that the world seems to have gotten itself into with COVID-19 and so on? How can a Christian really touch those who are around him or her in a positive way that would direct them heavenward? And so as we think about that, our world is broken. We know that. And the Bible was written for us. Verse 4 is where we're going to sort of tie in. Those first three verses speak to us about the Lord Jesus and how He set aside everything to be a servant and to take our sins and our shame and so on. But when we come to verse 4, it says, Whatever was written in former days was written for us. So this is for us, for you and for me. And it says some incredible things in the Scriptures that have been written for us. You know, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is Romans 11, verse 29. And it simply says this, The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Don't you love that word, irrevocable? I mean, our world is full of so much change. And here is this massive word in there, irrevocable, the gifts and the calling of God. And if God has called you, He has gifted you in a marvelous way to impact all of those around you. So I want to just think about some gifts and things that God does that we maybe don't normally talk about, but they're right here in these verses. And the first is that there is a God-given endurance. Did you catch that as we read through the Scriptures? Through endurance, it says there in verse uh, 4. Endurance. That's kind of pressing on no matter what. And if ever there was a day when the church and the believer needs to press on into Christ and into His strength and power, it is today, my dear friends. You know, when you think about it, His Word endures. So often over the centuries, people have tried to shut the Bible up, put it away, get rid of it. Voltaire uh, was the man who said, in 30 years you won't find a Bible because of this enlightened world that he was sort of ushering in. But you know, I kind of smile because today 
Uh, you'll never guess what Voltaire's house is. It is the home of the International Bible Society. So who won that contest? God did. And it will always be so. His word will indeed persevere and endure. Isaiah 40 verse 8 tells us that the grass withers and the flower fades, uh, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And it really, really translates, it rises above everything else to endure forever. So when you open this book, I hope you get excited about it. And if you don't, you need to be in repentance at the altar at the end of the service today. So we think about His Word endures. His promises endure. Here we read how that the Lord came so that He could speak of the truthfulness, the faithfulness of God the Father's promises to the patriarchs. And those promises were given through the Holy Spirit working in hearts and lives. And when you stop and think about it, the Holy Spirit has been enduring in hearts. Oh, those who don't know Christ, He endures in His work to draw them to the Lord, doesn't He? I think about my own conversion many years ago. There were six people who talked to me about Christ. And I felt like the whole world was ganging up on me. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit came because those people were faithful to speak a word about Jesus into my life. And one man just wouldn't quit. He just kept on speaking about Christ and how I needed Him. Ah, you know, this thing of endurance is such a marvelous thought just to dwell upon, that our hearts might be lifted, that we might be so strongly encouraged in the things of Christ today. We think about endurance to wait upon God. Oh, isn't it hard sometimes? You want something to happen so bad. You want that brother, that sister, that father, that mother, that child to be saved, but nothing seems to be happening. And we wait upon God for His moving and working in that life. But you never wait upon God in vain. Have you noticed that through the Scriptures? Those who waited upon God, He ever was faithful to answer them. And I think especially about Elijah as he sat beside the brook and the ravens came with his food and the brook dwindled and dwindled until there was no more water. Yet he waited upon God, and God told him where to go and how to find food and all the provision that God had made for him. Now, you know, God doesn't play favorites. And just as he worked in Elijah's life, so he wants to work in your life today. He wants you to know that he has a provision for you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And we get so messed up in this world and the things of this world, and we so need to just draw near to God and experience waiting upon Him in trust and in joy, knowing that He will minister into that situation. And I might be speaking to someone today, and you're so burdened for your family. You're so burdened about something. Oh, as you've been waiting upon God, it seems as if the time drags on. But God is the God who gives endurance. And He can carry you to the place where all of a sudden He touches it. And you're surprised at the speed with which an answer comes into the midst of that situation. 
There is endurance in Scripture to pray. We read in 1 Thessalonians 5, to pray without ceasing. How in the world do you do that? Yet as we endure, we know that God will in fact move and work as we have prayed and sought Him and trusted Him. Some years ago, we lived in Saskatoon. I was pastoring a church there, and the Lord was calling us to a, a different kind of ministry here in Regina, uh, working with revival. And I had a bad back, and my wife had some health issues as well. And uh, as we had resigned and so on, I remember uh, she said to me one day, how in the world are we going to do this? You're not well, I'm not well. How can we step out? And, you know, toward the end of that morning service, that Sunday morning, when I sat down after preaching, uh, she said to me, where is this, the verse that says, faithful is he, and he will do it? And I said, that's First Thessalonians 5 and verse 24. And if you need an encouragement and endurance today, go there. See, it's true. He is faithful. He will do it. He'll accomplish it as you trust in Him and lay those burdens down. There's endurance to grow Christ-like. Oh, what a challenge. I'm so far away from that. Even after 51 years of walking, 52 years now of walking with the Lord. But how wonderful it is that I'm not where I used to be. And praise God, I know I can stretch out by His grace and continue to seek Him. Do you need endurance today? Ah, oh, my dear brother, sister, friend, neighbor, whoever you are, this passage says, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live. Oh, He's the God who gives that. And He'll give it to you today as you trust in Him and minister. Uh, just allow Him to minister into your life through the power of His Spirit. And are you concerned that God would say, yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to give uh, endurance to this one and that one. You know, they're, they're much more faithful than you. They, they work in the church more than you. They're more important than you. You ever think those kind of thoughts? Well, you might want to read Psalm 136 because in, in every verse it finishes up with these words. His mercy endures forever. And His mercy endures for you forever. You can come to Him with those burdens and set them at the foot of the cross today and be free and filled with His Spirit. Second thing that we want to look at in these few moments is that there is a God-given encouragement. You saw it there, endurance and encouragement. I mean, when I started to pray about this passage, those two words just kept popping up, endurance and encouragement, and we need them both, don't we? Again, in verse 4, it speaks to us about encouragement. Now, we seek affirmation at work, don't we? We do something, we want somebody to say, yeah, that's right, you did that the right way. Yeah, you got that right. Yeah, for sure. And we seek uh, encouragement sometimes at home. Uh, we need to know that we're loved, that we're included, that we're all in one package, as it were. And how about spiritually? 
Somehow we're meant to be giants and we don't need this thing called encouragement. No, 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 no. Listen, he's the God of encouragement. And you'll find it from one end of the Bible all the way to the other. Dear friend, as you think about this, just, just remember Joshua is called to lead the people of God into the promised land. And as he's uh, going to do that, Moses is going to depart the scene. And what does God say to Moses? He says, oh, you make sure Joshua's got the right theology. And, and you make sure that he knows who the 12 tribes are. And uh, you make sure... No, 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 he doesn't say any of that. God says to Moses, encourage him. Why? Because God knew that Joshua's journey was going to be hard. He was going to face difficult tasks and difficult times and impossibilities. And there would be times when he'd forget to ask God, as with the Gibeonites. He forgot to ask the Lord, are these people honest? And they weren't. But you see it so strongly. God said to Moses, encourage him. Oh, how we need that. I hope before you leave this place today, you'll take five minutes and go find somebody and encourage them. If the church became a place like this, for goodness sake, you couldn't uh, fill it. You couldn't uh, have a place for standing room, let alone new chairs and bigger buildings and all the rest. We need it. Think about Jesus. Peter, with small faith, stepped out of that boat that night in the middle of a big storm. And as he's going, he sees all the reasons why he can't do it. And he starts to sink. And what does Jesus do? He says, you dummy, I imagine getting out of a boat in a storm. What were you thinking? No. No, my Savior says to him, Peter, come on. Come on. Why did you die? Oh, is he speaking that to you and me today? Come on. Move on. I think one of my favorite pieces of encouragement is the story of blind Bartimaeus. Big crowd going by and him shouting his head off. And he said, Jesus! Jesus! Son of God! And the people are saying to him, shut up, shut up. But what did Jesus say? Bring him to me. Bring him to me. Oh, that son of David, that son of God, that powerful, loving Savior says the same thing to you and I in our blindness today, in our woundedness and all of the rest. Bring him to me. And if you're here today with a friend, you be sure to bring them to the altar that they might come to know Christ in that personal way and experience the work of His Holy Spirit. Encouragement, you see, leads us to victory. Isn't that one of the things that we're all after, if we're honest? I want to get victory. I was speaking to somebody a couple of weeks ago who said, I have a real struggle with pornography. I want to get victory. I want to be free from it. I've talked to others who say, you know, I'm just so full of anger and frustration. I want to be free from it. I need victory. Do you need victory today? Well, you won't find it out there. And you won't find it in the television. And you won't find it in the video games. 
but you'll find it at the foot of the cross in surrender to Christ and to know His love. Encouragement, you know, life can sometimes be on a downward spiral, but encouragement is the thing that stops that downward spiral and that lifts that heavy heart and that fills us instead with a sense of the Lord and His love and His goodness. Encouragement. Oh, I'm so grateful for those who encouraged me to come to Christ. Our world and our culture will always say, you got to be kidding me. You believe that stuff? You think there's a life after death? You think that there's some heaven and there's some hell? And you, you believe that stuff? I'm quite happy to say, oh, I believe it because the Bible says it and Jesus preached it. And it is true. And I've experienced His love and forgiveness. Oh, that journey to Christ is so worth making. If you've never done it, do it today. Encouragement leads to hope. And is not this the major factor that we need in our lives and homes and world today? Hope. And encouragement comes through the Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, I love to watch the Holy Spirit at work. When I was a young Christian, we had a, a church in an old sort of warehouse that had been painted up a bit, and it was on Balm Alley in Belfast, and there were empty lots all around it that had been blown up and stuff. And you know, on Sunday night in the service when people would come together, and sing and praise God, and, and we were looking to God to do something, I'd be standing beside uh, a fellow who became my brother-in-law, and uh, he would nudge me. He'd hit me in the ribs, you know, with his elbow, and he'd say, here he comes, here he comes, and he was talking about the Holy Spirit, and when the Spirit of God came, there was no argument. His presence was there, and his peace, and all of the things that he brings, oh, you know, the Holy Spirit fills us with hope, with healing, with comfort, with guidance, with strength. Do you need encouragement? Come to Him today. Oh, I ministered one night long ago to a man who was deaf and dumb, so dying, so depressed, so suicidal. And yet, when I told him, if you will ask, you will receive, Matthew 7 and verse 7. I'll never forget Peter's face as he lit up, as he asked the Lord if he would really save him, if he really had something for him. And there was joy, and there was all of that love and grace that only Christ can give. My dear friends, the third thing that we want to look at very quickly for time's sake I had Pastor Matt worried because I told him I preached for an hour and a half, but don't relax. It's okay. We're nearly done. A little bit more, and we'll wrap it up. There is a God-given eternal hope. We find it in verses 4 and again in verse 13. Let me read verse 13 for you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. He doesn't just give a little drop, 
That'll keep them going for a day or so. He pours hope into us by His Holy Spirit. Our times can be discouraging, sometimes even depressing. But our God is the author of an eternal hope. And I trust today you can say that. Praise God, I have that eternal hope in Christ. Our God is the one who, in His Word, tells us in Proverbs 13 and verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And maybe you, like me, have experienced times and you've been hoping for something only to have those hopes disappointed and dashed. Dear friend, don't stop there. Yes, that can make the heart sick. But our God is the God of eternal hope. And in Romans 5 and verse 5, it tells us that hope does not disappoint us because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given unto us. I must work toward a conclusion here, and so let me begin to wrap things up. We all know what it is to be wounded, to be disappointed, to struggle, and all of those kind of things. But the love of God fills the heart, and He fills us with hope. Many years ago, my oldest daughter, you know, she wasn't sure that asking Jesus into her life when she was just a child would be enough. And we had a guest preacher in our church, and he, uh, he spoke on Luke 15, the prodigal son, just on these words, it is enough. Nah, <laughs> it's enough. Have you had enough? Enough of the world to try Christ. Enough of defeat to come and allow Him His way in your heart and in your life. My dear friends, the love of God fills the heart. It's enough. That night my daughter said to me, Dad, it's enough. The Bible says it's enough. Maybe I'm speaking to somebody and you need to return to the Father. You've sinned and you've drifted. And today he's just saying, here, here's my hand, take it. Meet me at the altar. Let's fix this. It's enough. And he will be enough. In the early 1980s, my wife and I and four children moved to a small community in northeastern Alberta to start a new church. There was a gentleman there that we met. Some of you will know him. Those who maybe are of my generation will certainly remember him. His name was A.D. Marshall, his wife Ruth. They had spent their life serving the Lord at Eston at the school there. And you know, there were times when I would get discouraged trying to begin a new work, and it was A.D. who would come alongside and he'd say, John, let's open the Bible to the Gospel of John, and let's just read together. And uh, some of you may even have the notes and books that he did on the Gospel of John. Oh, you see, there was that eternal hope. And he just kept pumping it into me. How oh, I thank the Lord for that man. Let me 
conclude. Do you need endurance? Then at the altar time, come. Find it. For the Lord Jesus is here to give it. Do you need encouragement? Then come. And know that He will minister far better than anyone ever could. But as you've been ministered to, you need to minister to others. Do you need an eternal hope? He loves you. I was reading the other day about a preacher who went to speak to a hard-hearted woman and tried every way to convince her to come to Jesus. And she just laughed at him and mocked him. And he started to cry. And he said to her, despite your mockings and your, your words and hard-heartedness, he loves you. He invites you to know his forgiveness. And that is what broke that woman's heart and broke that awful attitude. And yes, he was able to see her embrace Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord. You can come to him. I'm just going to close with a short prayer. But remember, he's a God who gives the gift of endurance, encouragement, and eternal hope. And now, Father, you know every heart that is here, and you know our needs. And so we come to you. Dear Lord, would you just minister by your grace and by your Spirit, sweep through this beautiful sanctuary, Breathe upon us afresh and anew. Lift us into the nearness of your presence and the fullness of your love and spirit. Equip us. In Jesus' strong name we pray. Amen. God bless you.